1: Hi, and welcome back for another episode of Analyze Scripts. Um, I'm Dr. Katrina Fury. Of course, I have my friend and colleague, Portia Pendleton, here. And we are so excited to welcome a very special guest, I'm Nicole Nalepa, who is the anchor of Connecticut's number one morning newscast, Eyewitness News in the Morning, and the co-host of WFSB's newest lifestyle TV show, Great Day at 9 A. Um, She came to WFSB in December 2013 and has been waking up Connecticut every weekday morning. (laughs) Uh, She wears many hats at Channel 3. Um, Her newest role began in September 2022, and she was named the co-host of Great Day at 9A alongside Scott Hanley. She also hosts the weekly franchises, including Family Friday, What's Going On, The Bright Spot, and Three Things You Need to Know and One You Don't. Um she also has a podcast called Mommyhood Unscripted which is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify um where she tackles some of the biggest topics and least discussed issues surrounding motherhood which as a reproductive psychiatrist I totally love um she's a mama too and takes listeners along for the ride um and before coming into Connecticut she did a whole bunch of things uh, she worked in <laughs> Springfield she did a lot of live on scene reporting um, she was, had an Emmy winning newscast aired on CNN. And she also spent several months at CBS in New York, um, interning for the evening news with Katie Couric. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's
2: right. So we
1: are so thrilled that she's here a cause she's super cool and B <laughs> because we're talking about one of our favorite shows, the morning show season three. And this is just like so exciting to talk to someone who's actually on a morning show, right? Like I'm just like (laughs) dying to hear, like, what is that like? How do you wake up so early? Do you like getting your hair and makeup done every day? Is it like the Kardashians where you sit there on your phone and they're just fluttering around you? Like, do you do your own investigative work? Like, what did they get right? (laughs) Basically, I want to know all the things.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, (laughs) ladies, for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, it is exciting to talk about a show uh, that has to do with this industry because so often I always say to my coworkers, we have had so many laughs and so many funny moments, you know, and also, you know, emotional moments both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. So I always say, this would make a great reality show. But, you know, it's, it's hard to right because in the news industry you need to be as unbiased as possible. But I swear we are real human beings. We go to the bathroom. We do everything <laughs> else that you guys do. No so. way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's it was fun. I, I loved when the morning show came out. I was really excited, and of course I have to admit I had a very hyper critical eye too because whenever whenever you see, I mean, obviously the process of how things happen, but whenever you see people who are trying to portray. You know, anchors or reporters. Um, you know, you have that like anchor man, like good morning, <laughs> San Diego, you know, yeah. and that, that was the one thing when I got into business, I look back at my old reels and old clips and stuff when I first started out and I said, Oh, little Nicole, she was trying to be older and tried to get that news voice and we we're all yeah. feeling it out. Every, everyone does when you're starting out in the business. But I remember at some point something clicked. I think it was when I got here to Connecticut at that point, because I had a few reps in in Springfield. Um, I was actually hired as a traffic anchor, technically, here in Connecticut. I was going to be a reporter, but then their traffic anchor was leaving, and then they said, "Hey, you should work with this guy Scott Haney. You know, the guy that ate cat vomit off the bottom of his shoe alive on air." And I'm like, "What?" Well, I've never heard of this guy, but he was, you know, the most beloved meteorologist and on-air talent probably in the state of Connecticut. I had no idea of his legacy until I got here from Massachusetts and I said, wow, now I get it. You know, this is like the magic. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, doing traffic, it was all ad-libbing. I didn't have a teleprompter. Mm -hmm. So I really had to think on my feet and working alongside him. He's so zany and crazy and unpredictable in the best way possible. And definitely in an unconventional news way, I would say that, you know, nothing is rehearsed. Nothing is fake, you know, uh, even in the newsroom, uh, excuse me, the morning show and the newsroom. That's another great show, too. Um, You know, they also have those uh, those fake laughs. You know, you see they're trying to, Mm -hmm. you know, elicit those emotions, but they schedule it in. Yeah. I remember saying to myself, Gah, I never want to fake anything. I don't want to yeah. use anchor voice. I just want to be me. And mm-hmm. and it's work.
0: <laughs> that's so cool. It so is. What is?
2: Tell us a little bit about your take about the morning show, like what it's getting right, what it's getting wrong. Yeah. Well, so the morning show, that's from a network standpoint. So that's big time, right? That's New York. That's um, you know, you're seeing all of these operations. There's a job for everything. There's mm-hmm. a person behind, you know, the camera. There's a person that's running scripts. There's a person that's running you scripts. Um, there's someone, you know, uh, what was it? The anchor producer, right? Someone's producer. Set to just produce the anchor. There's so many. there's a junior and show. a senior one. Yeah, there's a there's the a big booker. hierarchy. Yes, the booker. Oh, yeah. I, I wish we had a booker here. Um, <laughs> on a local level, you know, um, local TV news, it is quite the opposite. And just by way of, you know, we basically do five different jobs. That's just kind of how hmm. we've adapted into this industry. Provided it's changed over the years, like the eighties, nineties, that was ser- definitely the heyday of, you know, um, before the, the world wide web really took charge and came through and, and these phones too, right? Have changed the way we get our news. Um, so there was, there were more bodies, I would say in, but I don't know even if you could see in our studio here. I'll turn you around, but we have robotic cameras. We don't oh, wow. have camera guys in our studio. We have literally a system that will, You know, tell the camera where to zoom in and who to zoom in on. So, uh, we don't have camera guys like the morning show, but uh, you know, obviously in New York at CBS News, when I was interning there, they have camera people. So, um, Mm. so yeah, that was, that was accurate, I would say. And seeing the, the process, right? And when breaking news comes in and how they're all kind of, you know, just huddling up really quick. Yeah. How are we going to figure this out? We got to get it on. We got to get it on. That's very accurate. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: how do you wake up so early? <laughs> so I—that's one thing I, I love seeing the morning show and how they portray the alarm clock. Right, they're always like, "Oh, I'm trying to hit snooze and I have to get out of bed." And I love the shots, right—the close-up shots of them trying to put their shoes in the slippers <laughs> and making their yeah. coffee—and that's very accurate as well. I—I <laughs> um, I think to work on a morning show, to some degree, you have to be a morning person. Whether you feel like you're a morning person or not to some degree, you have to, you know, you there's some people it. that yeah. can do it probably and some people that can't, you know. Um some people are more night owls. I worked overnight um when I started in the business and then when I came here to to Channel 3, I ended up um I was working, you know, my shift was shifted. So, I think I was working 4 to 12 when I first started here. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, shifted back and I don't know. I to me, going from overnights to getting up early in the morning, I actually got to like sleep finally, like when everyone else sleeps when it's dark out. So that was an upgrade for me. Um, it's still tough though. Yeah, you know, my alarm goes off at two thirty, so no three thirty alarm like uh, Alex Levy or Bradley Jackson. Extra hours of sleep. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and she probably has a driver too. Uh, Most networks they have a driver. They send a car. And they drive you to the station, you know. No, I, I'm driving myself, and I'm doing my own hair and makeup too. No, mm-hmm. it looks great. Oh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, you're, you're really good at, at, it, at it. Thank you. Much. Much. So Teach that's me. An,
2: that's another thing, another little uh, myth I'll dispel. So um, we don't do, we don't have any makeup or hair artists. Most local news stations do not, I believe. Um, I think New York may still have hair and makeup. Maybe LA, and I don't even know if Chicago does anymore. When I was interning in Boston, um, about I mean, this is a wh- little while ago now, but they didn't have hair and makeup then. So, mm. wow. yeah, it's kind of you. That was, I think, probably one of the big expenses to go. You know, mm-hmm. and, and as just you know, as, as you as that, saw. It- I mean, oh, I, that takes skill to
1: do on-air quality hair and makeup. That's different from your everyday hair and makeup, you know? So that's it like, is. that's expecting a lot of you to be I, able I, to I, do
2: that and be a journalist, you know? <laughs> I, I call it your clown makeup. I'm like, I have my yeah. clown makeup on, you know? You I'm like all on these- stronger. Right. Exactly. Because these lights are very, very bright and you don't want to get washed out. Um, but you know, but that's a skill. We do have these image consultants. Most stations do where they'll, you know, say, Hey, this shade looks really good on you. And they'll show us some makeup tips and, Mm -hmm. you know, just recommendations, which is really helpful, right? Cause it's accentuating like the parts, right. And the features in your face. And, um, so I've learned over the years from multiple consultants and, um, at my stations and it's been really helpful, but you have to have a thick skin too, because you're looking in your your face really early in the morning every day. So, and I I learned that my face is not symmetrical. Like I always thought it was when I drew my self portraits in school.
1: (laughs) I think it's pretty rare to have a symmetrical face. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I, I I also appreciated that they were really honing in on how early the characters wake Mm. up because that is hard. I remember in my residency training doing like 24 hour shifts, night shifts, Mm -hmm. shifting between night shift and day shift, it was so hard on your body. Like, it's just like your circadian rhythm isn't meant to do that. Um, And I remember working overnight in the ER and it was like every night right around 3am, I would get so cold and tired and hungry. Mm -hmm. And I had some like senior attending tell me like, well, yeah, your cortisol level drops around this time. So like, naturally you want to kind of hibernate. And so just thinking about you and watching the show, I'm like, it must be extra hard to like wake up at that time,
2: you know? Yeah. I I think before kids, I just, I made it work, you know, and didn't get a lot of sleep. And then when I became pregnant and then, you know, after my second pregnancy, I'm like, oh God, I I wasn't sleeping at all. Yeah. That was really, really, that was the hardest I've ever experienced. So I I appreciate my sleep now Mm -hmm. more so than I I did in my twenties when, you know, you remember being in your 20s and just, we can ride this out. We'll catch up on the weekend. I can take yeah. a nap when I get home. <laughs> yeah, it's like Honor it doesn't exist days. now. Yeah, yeah. I know, miss that time. <laughs> um, Well, so one thing that we thought
1: would be interesting, and Portia, please chime in, um, is, again, one thing that we or I find myself often telling my patients these days, I would say kind of always, but especially since... 2020 with COVID and the election and the social unrest in our country and everything going on, um, we would talk a lot about limiting your news consumption to help limit how much traumatic material um, you were being exposed to that you're already thinking about throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And even, you know, like our diagnostic manual called the DSM, Um, the way they define PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder changed from version four to version five, which actually came out many years before 2020. Um, But they adjusted it so that people who, you know, before then you had to actually experience the trauma directly to be able to be diagnosed with a trauma Uh disorder. Now they've changed it. So you can either experience it directly Witness it like be a bystander or experience it vicariously. Um, and I believe that was done in part to capture a whole lot of other people who are being traumatized. And I know, especially like in my training, we talked a lot about people in certain professions like police officers, firefighters, journalists, newscasters, um, photojournalists who are like in the thick of it. Like we see Andre in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was wondering if you could kind of speak to that because I feel like you can't limit it. Like you are reporting on it. And I just think that's got to be so hard. Um, and I wonder like, how, how do you guys mm-hmm. take care of each other? How do you take care of yourselves? Like, is that talked about like in the field? Is mm-hmm. there any, like, is anyone looking out for you guys in terms of your
2: own mental health? Like, I feel like I hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Yeah. That's a great question. And I think that that's, Probably a question we don't always get. You know, we always get the, what time do you wake up in the morning? Yeah. But, um, you know, of course, when we think of the serious and and the more traumatic things that we cover, um, uh, we don't always want to go there asking people those questions, right? But yeah. um, I am so happy to answer that. I, I can only speak, obviously, from my experience, but um, from what I have experienced in covering some traumatic um, stories, uh, in particular, actually the one that comes to mind when you were talking about this is the um, the Boston Marathon bombings. Uh, I was there, maybe less than a mile from where they ended up finding the brother underneath the boat that was hiding yeah. at the time. And you know, from the moment the bombs went off at the finish line, you know, we were wall to wall coverage, obviously, um, from up until when I got a call in the middle of the night from my news director at the time saying you know, uh, the, we're sending you to Watertown and that's where the staging area is. The brothers like, you know, throwing Molotov cocktails at everyone. And, um, you know, it was just such a scary (sighs) time knowing like, okay, well, this is my job and I'm going into it. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table that night and going, I'm going to, I'm going to let my parents know where I'm headed now because we really didn't know what we were going into. I remember I had my insurance card and you know, really quick mm-hmm. before I left in the middle of the night, which I mean, I was in my mid twenties, you know, a little a little over prepared, I guess. I was thinking a little bit ahead, you know, got something would happen. Yeah. But you don't know. Yeah, it's very scary. You know. Um, and I remember when the movie about the Boston Marathon bombings came out. I still to this day haven't seen it. And I'm from yeah. Massachusetts originally. Yeah. You know? So I, I just just can't. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just I feel like I've been there. I yeah. I lived through it enough, you know, to experience and yeah. know what it was like. I don't really want to see a Hollywood adaptation to watch it. Um, but I think that it is so important to keep your mental health in check. That was kind of something for me at the time. Like that's how I was keeping things in check, you know. I didn't want to expose myself to something that maybe wouldn't make me feel happy watching mm-hmm. and reliving it yeah. again, you know? Right. Um, so I think that in this business overall, um, we compartmentalize because that's kind of, you know, how you do survive some of those tough stories. When you're doing, you know, those door knocks, those awful stories where, you know, a mother has just lost her child or, you know, just awful. I mean, the list goes on. And I think that we tap into a place where we get the facts and, we do our darndest to, you know, deliver everything that we know and what information is going to help the public. Um, and then I think what you do with that when you go home is really like the ultimate. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, for example, mm-hmm. the pandemic, the start of season two on the morning show when they were taking the drone image. I, yeah. uh, my husband and I, he used to be in the news business too. He was uh, oh. behind the scenes and he, we both looked at each other and I'm like, I, I don't want to watch this right now. I love the show. Mm-hmm. We loved it. And I'm like, I just can't watch it right it now because the so pandemic is so traumatizing yeah. right. for everyone the in their same own way. way. Uh, right. That makes me feel so good because yeah. I said, what's wrong with me? I love this show. I know that, you know, it's okay. We're here right now. We're okay. Like, why don't that's I? Good go grounding. Good grounding. <laughs> oh, I try, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I think it's just important to listen to what's not going to make you feel good in your own yeah. time because that's your time, right? right. Um, and that goes for any job, right? But totally, it does. I, think, I don't know if
1: if certain, if any workplaces talk about it enough. Like, I know mm-hmm. I only know my own experience in medicine where, you know, you're working in the ICU and there's really sick people, you're giving awful news, people are dying, you're your code, mm-hmm. codes, like, and then you just go to lunch and then you go to the next one. And then there, even within medicine, there's, there's not a lot of room for like, whoo, you just witnessed a lot. Like, yeah. how are you going to process that there isn't a lot of modeling or, Anyone kind of checking in? I, I think and I hope that that culture is changing. Mm-hmm. But as I think about that, of, of course, as a psychiatrist, I'm always thinking about these things. I wonder about like other fields, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the news in particular, I I like can never watch the news because every time I turn it on, it's it's like happy, happy, happy shooting, happy, happy, happy fire. You know, it's just like it catches yeah. you by surprise. So it's hard, and I just always wonder about like when you're when that's your job. That's just it's mm-hmm. got to be hard, and I hope like your field also emphasizes that or is starting to.
2: I've been very, very blessed where I've worked for, you know, news directors who have checked in on us when we have covered horrific stories, um, you know offering support if 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 anyone needs counseling you know we've great. had even comfort dogs that have come in through the oh, channel three here um you know i i wasn't here in connecticut when the new town um the sandy hook shootings happened but uh i was in springfield at the time but i wasn't sent there i was producing that newscast and anchoring but um i know my husband was sent there as a photographer to cover yeah. that, um, I also know that the photographers here at Channel Three—they were offered, you know, anything that they need, any kind of services because, great, you know, I mean, well enough, you know, Good. we don't even need to mention, you know, the, the br- what that can do, right, uh, for yeah. anyone to experience it on any kind of end, um, directly indirectly. So uh, that is definitely mental health is, I think, like you said, definitely something that's coming to the forefront more. I think the pandemic. Mm -hmm. really opened it up for people who may not have realized that they've been affected by things. Um, We all went through that trauma. Right, exactly. It was such a shared collective experience. So um, I think one of the things that I did to kind of ground myself, because, you know, it got to a point where all we were doing, right? Cause everyone was home. Not, nothing was going on. We were just reading the numbers too, you know, ah. what was going on from that yeah. standpoint. So there you were, right? Like in the ICU and the medical front of things, seeing the people die. And then we're getting the numbers to report it. So we were like both working from different angles, which is, um, crazy when you think about it, right? Yeah. But we were informing people and helping people in a way. And, you know, just with uh, all, all the heaviness, um, Just that these kinds of things bring, I wanted to create something positive. So I created this segment at the time that was born out of the pandemic called The Bright Spot. Mm -hmm. And it was all about trying to focus on, okay, let's take a moment now and see what good is going on. This Mm is awful, but like, what is going on? What good is happening? You know, anything from the little kids doing these drives or, you know, sending messages to the, you know, healthcare workers, everything. There were so many amazing stories. Um, so that kind of helped ground me too, at least that's during great. that hard news time as well. And that was like my little baby. And I just, every day I, I worked really hard to turn out like the best positive stories that I could find here in the mm. state. So that was really cool. That's I hope great. I'm answering your questions. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You.
1: Definitely. And I think that's so important. That Again, it reminds me of the Mr. Rogers quote that I love. Like, oh, you know, at yeah. times of suffering, look for the helpers. Like even when things are atrocious, there you can find a glimmer somewhere. So it, mm-hmm. it can be harder at certain times than other times. But if you can try to find that and hold on to it without forgetting what's going yeah. on, right? Without repressing that or ignoring it. Um, but you need that to, as a human to kind of soldier on. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And we see kind of a tragic like way in which hannah right from season one like was not given help right Um, and like her helper ended up being right harmful but um I thought it was beautiful in, in season three, in one moment, like, um, they all kind of got together and were like meeting in the team and I was her. like, Oh, why? Yeah. And then yeah. they were all kind of sharing a moment of tribute to Hannah. And I was like, Oh, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that family kind of aspect of being a team in the newsroom or, you know, all the, all of the people who were kind of connected with her. I thought that was just like a really nice moment that they kind of I, really yeah. continued to bring her story through season three. Yeah. I was really glad they showed that.
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, too, with season three, as we sort of transition into talking about that with Nicole, I didn't love season three, I'll be honest, as much as the first two. And I kind of felt like the plot was really similar to Succession with, like, the big, rich, fancy tech guy coming in and then, like, all the shenanigans with the shareholders and the board meetings and, like, all the stuff I don't understand. Still great. You know, love it. But I thought it really spoke to the importance of the news being neutral. And being for people being able to trust and rely on the news to get their information, and how that is something I think even with like all the discourse about like TikTok and what's what's shown on TikTok versus what's shown on your TV, and like who, how do you figure out who to trust, and what happens when Elon Musk buys Twitter or you know mm-hmm. this tech giant buys the news? It really got me thinking. Like, huh, I had not really I had not really thought about that in any great detail. Right, um, so it was really interesting commentary on all of that this season. I like seeing Don Draper. <laughs> oh, I know. I love Does him. It. <laughs> is with Jen Aniston? I was like, they're just beautiful,
2: oh, perfect. <laughs> I know. I really like the
0: couple, like themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, they are a good match. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. I to see them more. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It was. It was great. It's like casting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So what do you think about like because they talked a lot about streaming um mm-hmm. in season two and three as like Corey right is, is really on streaming. He believes in it, he wants the streaming service for you know UBA. Um, like what's it been like for you guys kind of navigating, having Instagram, TikTok, um, even like Facebook? Um, I do follow WFSB. I'm really quickly love you and Scott Haney. Oh, um, my baby. mom's like really excited <laughs> today that I'm talking to you. <laughs> So, um, you know, it's just been a huge shift with news and I think you guys do a great job, but I imagine, you know, the transition after transition first with COVID, like filming at home, wearing masks, like having visors up and then, you know, having to do more reels how I think of them on like, um, social media. What's that been like for you guys as it, you know, compares to the morning show or just in general?
2: Yeah, I think in, in general, you know, it's just with anything, you know, technology changes things and um you got to keep up with things. And as we saw right in the morning show, how, you know, Corey kept pushing, we got to go to streaming, we got to go to UBS plus. Um, and he was upset, right? That they like waited on it. Yeah. And I think that, I definitely think the pandemic just, you know, generally speaking with this industry as a whole, Um, we realize that we can do a heck of a lot more on our phones, right? We can we can stream live and report live from wherever we are. We have capabilities to do that. We, you know, um, like you said, social media, um, the Facebook Live story, that was huge, right? Hmm. Doing all of those live stories. And um it's it's so interesting to see this industry shift again. Um and it's it's exciting in the sense that. We're keeping up with things. You know, we definitely like have our pulse on what's new, what's the latest, what's going to reach people, what's going to help people. Um, it, it means that there's a lot less, um, downtime. (laughs) Not like there was any downtime before. You go into work every day and it's a brand new day. That's what I loved about this industry. You know, you're not like necessarily, unless if you're working on a special sweep story or something or, you know, like a feature story, um, you're not necessarily, it's not the same day after day after day, right? Every Mm. day is different. Every story, you know, is different than the day before, even if it's an update to a follow-up to a story. Um, So I think that this has helped continue the dialogue of stories, you know? Mm -hmm. So when we have what's on air and then we switch to streaming, it's kind of keeping things going and the dialogue going on stories. And it's, Making sure that viewers know that, hey, we haven't forgotten about this. We're still asking those questions and we're still following up on it right now, you know? So it's not mm-hmm. as much of a, you know, to be continued dot, dot, dot. It's kind of like, all right, here's what's new. Yeah. Here's what's happening now and here's what's happening mm-hmm. next. This is the latest that we have at this point in time. So, um, you know, and we're busy doing that, you know, with all the streaming yeah. stuff. And so uh, to answer your question, I think that it's, it's giving people what they want, and when you think of all the younger generations now, most of them are getting news from their phone more often than not. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you want to stay relevant and you want to put, you know, get put the important information out there that people need when they wake up in the morning, that's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That is a lot, though. It's like you're always on, right? Like that was one thing this show really captures <laughs> is like whenever the yeah. news breaks, all right, it's time we got to go <gasps> figure it out, no matter what's going on.
2: Yeah, I always say, I feel like I'm always in transit, but I always had this personality (laughs) before.
0: Planning for your next trip?
1: Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post
2: your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I got in this business. So I think I was attracted to that and it was a great fit for me. Yeah. I I, I was adrenaline. Get... Yes. I always succeeded in chaos always <laughs> from a young yeah, age. Yeah, I so. get that. <laughs> so um yeah, I I like that. I like that adrenaline rush. I like, you know, being able to help deliver um important stuff and I also I think that there's such a huge responsibility that comes with that because, you know, you have to like I was telling you before about the anchor voices and stuff. Like <laughs> y- you you have such a huge responsibility delivering certain stories to the people. And in a way where like, you have to be an empathetic person, you know, if you Mm -hmm. really want to reach people and if you're really feeling it, like you just got to like say it from the heart when you do it, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I I almost like in a way I wanted to like reclaim that when I got in this business too, because it's, it's so hard. um, What am I trying to say? We grew up watching, you know, news anchors and stuff, and and then Anchor Man comes out the movie, right? Like yes, Will Ferrell, love it. But it's like, I want, I, I just want people to feel like we're just talking to them, and yeah. there's no no ego, there's no, you know, oh, coming up today. you know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't want that. Like, let's the just anchor talk. Voice. Yeah, because people are letting you literally into their homes, like yeah. every day. You're part of their routine, and I have to be honest; I don't really think about that. Like when we stare into the camera, I'm not thinking about how many people are on the other side of that lens. I'm literally just like talking, like I would talk to my mom or to a friend, yeah, hanging out with my coworkers. You know, like it's 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 a very surreal experience, and I realize yeah. it's a very uh, Wild job, to have. and one I guess I don't think as much about. You know, I obviously I know what I do, and I know it reaches people, but I don't think I understand the extent and how impactful it is sometimes. Yeah, until I see a you know a viewer like when I'm at the grocery store or someone you know will they'll be like, hey Nicole, and I'm like, oh hi, I don't know that person's name, and, and then I'm like, oh wait, they probably watch on TV. So yeah, that's, that's so a, funny. It's funny. It does. It still is like. It's still a novelty, I guess, in a way to me. <laughs>
1: it's anymore. also got to be like a a skill to be able to like talk to a camera like a row robot cameras in such a personable way, right? Like yeah. even if there's a camera man or woman behind it, there's a human there, you know right. so I feel like that's just a really interesting skill to have yeah. um, and I wonder like. If you can comment at all about, you know, one thing that I think Portia and I were thinking might be similar between therapists and newscasters is, and you would tell us if we're wrong, but it seems like we see in the morning show, Bradley can have a hard time. I mean, she does a good job, but you know, her view, right? And like, sometimes I think it seems like the um, network wants her to be more neutral Or like, not talk about certain things, or keep it here, don't go there. And I feel like, as therapists, at least in our role, it's really important to maintain a sense of neutrality, Mm -hmm. especially when you're helping your patients navigate COVID or the 2020 election or the January 6th riots. Like, how do you maintain that neutrality so they feel open to talk to you? That's different from like Mm -hmm. what you do. But I wonder if you can comment at all about like what that's like to comment on such charged things, and if the morning show. Like how your opinion about how they're portraying that
2: yeah I, I it, it is nice to see like the extreme example of someone in this industry what it would probably look like when struggling with that you know you yeah. see that internal conflict play out outside yeah. even on her face you know you can really yeah. see it whereas right Alex has the a better job at just holding things together and right if, I remember her saying actually like uh I do uh something control. That this is what I do really like, well, like damage control. Or yeah, something. Things, yeah, yeah. This is what this is what i meant to do. I'm great at doing damage control. Like she's good at reeling it mm. in. Um, but yeah, you, so you see the two extremes. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that at least what helps me in those situations, because at the end of the day, we all have opinions on things, whether or right. not we had, you know, we make them vocal or not. But I think that just like any job. It's almost like we took this unofficial oath mentally to do this public service and, you know, acknowledge that there are going to be people who are on both sides of the aisle and a lot of people who are unsure too. And your job is to not do anything from where you're standing to move their point of view. You just have to stick to the facts. To the facts. Exactly. And just, you know, I'm... I just, I know I wouldn't want someone swaying me, trying to sway me one way if I'm turning Mm -hmm. on the television, you know? Um, And that's what those editorial shows are for, you know? The news is so different. Um, You just literally stick to the facts. And also make sure that both sides are reflected in a story, which is also so important too. Because Mm -hmm. you have to get both sides of it. Even if someone isn't going to comment on the story, you have to let the viewers know that you tried to get their Mm -hmm. comment. And mm. you know they they wouldn't return our calls, yeah, you, know, you might hear that in some news stories. There's a yeah. moment at the
0: end um of season three where chip is like making this um this on air live after he's you know let go like statement about um why you know Paul marks like shouldn't buy the network and how what the risks are, and what I really liked, and again, it feels really relevant um just to like current. Um, current events yeah it's like he's you know and this is how we fact check and we have to we get the alert we call the police officers Mm -hmm. in this random town we get the statement from them then we go there and then we fact check on this way and it's like we do this whole thing just to get the story just to be able to promote it and it's like i think so many people for the morning show for the show was morning show. Like Mm -hmm. I never realized that, you know, all the 40 people, yes, it's a big show, like, you know, all behind the scenes doing all this work overnight, like getting everything right. And it's so Mm -hmm. important. I love that you said kind of taking that oath because, um, Katrina, like you were saying, we're all kind of in like a position of power, like, right. Mm -hmm. Like with our clients, with the viewers that, you know, it, it can go wrong really quick if you kind of like abuse, you know, the relationship yeah. you have with your patient or with viewers. And um, right. season three just really felt like that was kind of a big message um, that they were trying to get out. And yeah, yeah, it's just
1: really it And what happens when someone like Paul Marks, who has a proclivity, you could say for abusing his power is now being given a lot of power that could sway things
0: in a major way. Mm. I thought that was just like an interesting yeah. commentary. What do you think yeah. about we, hallmarks? Like diagnostically? I mean, obviously we think he's attractive, but um, like,
1: <laughs> I get there's <laughs> no like everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's pretty well known that there, are, I don't, I don't remember the statistic off the top of my head. I think it's pretty well known that, when you're in such a high position of power, there is some degree of sociopathy. I don't mean that people in really high positions of power are out like being serial killers, but there's some sense of stepping on someone else to get to where you want some sort of lust for power um, that comes from being able to get to those super, super high positions. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not everyone in the high position, right? But it's like, a higher percentage of people in those uber high positions than the average person. There's some sense of that. And I felt like – I feel like they could have gone a little more with him and made him a little Mm. more cutthroat, like kind of in the succession realm. Like I guess – I don't know if you watched Succession, Nicole, but that was a show we covered – I, so I, I watched
2: like the first episode or two. I, I've been aw- so awful finding time to watch uh, sure shows lately. 14-month-old, yeah, yeah. you know, enough time. Yeah, yeah. Sad, we don't have a but, lot of
1: time. Yeah. But um, I feel like <laughs> they really went there with Logan Roy in a really cutthroat way, whereas Paul Marks was more mild. But you still got enough of that flavor. Like when mm. they talked about, you know, what happened with Stella at Stanford, it seems like he, I guess on paper, did compensate her for her programming or or whatever she had done. That's where it goes over my head a little bit. Um, but like clearly not enough. Like he knew it was going to be worth way more than he was offering her. Like those sorts of things.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the um, NDAs. All the NDAs. Like, all the
1: NDAs yeah. mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think it did really just like speak to that a little sociopathy, some narcissism, but again, more of like this covert way, would you say, Portia? Yeah. Like trying to portray himself as like earthy and very charming, like in, very charming. Mm-hmm. um but he had that edge and we really saw that when he threatened bradley mm-hmm. um near the end of season three and when she quit right like yeah. he knew all this stuff it was clear he was surveilling everyone i think he was the one who leaked the photo of him and alex i think we never really got an yeah. answer it seems like um, that would be accurate I was trying to figure out like were Paul and Alex really connecting in a genuine way mm-hmm. or was it like Alex met her match and it was like narcissists using each other to stay on top? Um, I, I The whole time I couldn't really tell. Mm-hmm. And then near the end, it really did feel like
0: she was really – like I think they did really genuinely care for each other. Yeah. As loss. much as they it can. Hard. You know, I think her yeah. kind of having to make that decision to ultimately, like, betray him, even though he betrayed her, I think was really hard because I think she had, fi- she almost felt, it reminded me of, like, I think Alex felt, like, he really saw her and she yeah. could be herself with him which was like this uber powerful woman with like you know wanting to be more and maybe own a network and like work really yeah. hard and she's really smart and she never got that opportunity from like um you know some of the past owners of UBA and so um, I think she was really hurt by that, and it reminded me of Corey and Bradley's kind of like special, unique relationship yeah. where Bradley felt really seen by him and like right. her authentic self. So I think it's almost like Alex was grieving that,
1: um, right, like being able to who be she herself. thought he was rather yes. than who he really was, which yes. I think a lot of people leaving a relationship with someone with narcissistic traits feel is they're grieving who they thought the person was rather than who they really are. Once they see who they really are. Yeah. Um, I do feel like in general, I, I like, I love Alex Levy. I love Jennifer Aniston. I love her character. I just, I don't think it's accurate that she wouldn't have been as if as she had been before. Like it doesn't just like go away, unfortunately for the most part.
2: Yeah. Hmm. I, I wonder know. if there's another character who could have brought that side out that we weren't seeing. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just
1: weird to me how like for so much of the season it ha- it seems like quieter mm-hmm. to me.
0: And it was very um, loud in season one and two. Um, right. In a very big
1: way. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I guess, you know, it is known that like sometimes people with personality disorders peters out a little bit as they get older Um, But not all the time, Mm -hmm. and she's. When I say get older, I mean more like elderly age, not like you know Alex Levy's age. You know, Um, would you think
2: he has a personality disorder? I think if I was diagnosing
1: (laughs) Alex Levy, I would, based on season one and two, diagnose her with narcissistic personality disorder. Based on Mm. season three, I feel like we see more empathy than we've seen before. Um, And so from like a mental health perspective, I don't know how accurate that is based on season one and two was, at least to me, very clearly NPD, like in your face. I don't think that just like goes away, Um, but I think her as a character is very fascinating. And I think they (laughs) wanted her to have more of a, like this arc. Mm -hmm. Um, And she does, I guess, sort of at the
0: end, come in and like save the day. Which is, like, great. Which is um, also, the like, self-importance. Like, and then, exactly, I mean, yeah. She does get, you know, a, agreement from the other network. And, um like, she talks to Laura. And I thought that was kind of awesome. I just, I don't know. I liked, I, I felt like, you know, go women. And everyone's working yeah, together. Yeah, girl power. Yeah, girl power. But, um, <laughs> but I, I, it's, always, it's almost like, though, she is, like, the savior. So it, it could be yeah, maybe. So yeah. Right.
1: But it wasn't in, like, a icky way. No, like, I guess I felt like her narcissism was coming back out when she was like in cahoots with Paul to like start her own thing. And was like, but you saw how much she was grappling with how it was going to affect the 20,000 employees. And like, I don't think Alex Levy from season one or two cared about that. Like we saw her like going to see Mitch in Italy, like kicking off those other people on their plane so she could get out, right? Like that level of narcissism in reality doesn't just go away. Whereas in season three, we really saw her really like wrapped with guilt over going through this and then totally changing her mind when Maggie Brenner kind of reminded her like, Bradley was really there for you. And she could really see that, right? So I, again, love it as a show. I think as a criticism, <laughs> I think unfortunately it doesn't happen that way. Although we always wish it could.
2: Yeah. I that's like why we have podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, from, from a, you know, a therapy point of view, could a, a traumatic event such as the pandemic, you know, it seems like that was almost a turning point for where we saw her personality kind of shift a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. She realized like she was so grateful to be living. She was so grateful that she was given another chance, right, um, at her job. Um, and it opened up the way for more opportunities. Could that, kind of water down that narcissism what do you think
0: Portia well I'm like always optimistic and filled with
2: with joy
0: (laughs) (laughs) so I I feel like you know at least even if we think about it like mechanically like uh, trauma impacts our brain so like structurally it could have changed her her brain how she processes information at, at a time especially like the length of the pandemic and then all of the other collective traumas after that with everything that was going on and especially considering her job and reporting on it um maybe like i don't know if it would shift her i think if someone is truly narcissistic like no it could it could change you how you relate to things like you were up you know hurt by x y and z happening you might feel the the physical sensations the change in the worldview the, the other symptoms of ptsd but like at your core i think it's like still going to come back to you being like yeah. selfish or just grandiose and and kind of not looking out for others like the, the a little bit of lacking empathy but that's why i think it's like maybe if we think of it as a spectrum like she has maybe a lot of the narcissistic traits and she didn't really have narcissism and then the trauma would more so like imp- be more likely to impact. Yeah. Her. Like I think when we think
1: about narcissistic personality disorder, right? Like when we think about personality development as a whole, we all need some healthy degree of narcissism to have confidence and self-esteem and put yourself out there. Um, But like what balances that like sense of self-importance in the world, like, and I could probably see this with your children as we see with many children, when you're younger, you're like little narcissist. The whole world revolves around you. Your parents cater, or hopefully, cater to your every need. Whatever you need, that's met, like at all other expenses. Like that's developmentally appropriate. But then usually, as you grow up, you start to appreciate that there's other people in the world too. And the way you relate to them, in psychology, we call it object relations, is really important. And that is the part that gets kind of stunted in people who have narcissistic personality disorder where they have a really hard time holding onto conflicting feelings about themselves and others, like being good and bad at the same time. They can't tolerate being bad at all. And really like deep down the core wound is they feel useless. They feel worthless. They feel really bad, um, but they can't tolerate it. So they have to like project it out onto other people, put them down, put themselves up here and, um, to sort of maintain their own inner sense of goodness. They haven't learned how to like see other people for who that other person really is and appreciate the complexities that that person's good and bad. And so am I, and we're all okay. They can't really do that if that makes sense. Um, and so I feel like in, in seasons one and two with Alex, we really saw that a lot where it was her, 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 everything is for her. Like the way she treats everyone, the way she treated Chip, everyone's almost like a chess piece. Mm -hmm. Right. Everyone's like a chess piece. You're moving around for your own agenda. And season three was like so different, which uh, great for her. I just think like in my clinical experience, when someone's like that degree of narcissism, it doesn't shift that much, even a trauma. Like, and again, maybe uh, you always hold out hope, (laughs) <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm not sure,
2: you know, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> it's very hard to do therapy with people with narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah.
2: Hmm. So interesting. It's so, I just love listening to you guys talk. I love talking about like psychology and like getting in you know, depth with feelings and that. We like so, it too. <laughs> I love yeah. when you guys break it down like that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, so I
1: want to be respectful of your time. There's so much more we could talk about, but did anything to, about to you, Nicole, about this season or the relationships, the dynamics that really spoke to you or resonated with you?
2: I think when you see the camaraderie, like you were talking about, you know, at the end there, you are a family, right? You're working with these people day in, day out. Some people you're spending more time with than your own spouses. And you're also working through some horrific stories and traumatic situations and some really amazing joyous stories, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're celebrating with each other as well. So it's um it's a it's a very close knit community. And I would say that it's a smaller business than you may think. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of people, you never know who is going to advance, you know, on in, in the industry. Um, which is why you should always, 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 always be kind to everyone. Yeah. Of course that doesn't always happen. Unfortunately, let's be realistic, right? In life, there's always those who just struggle with that a little bit more, but I have found and I have witnessed and I've seen enough at this point where I've seen people, you know, who I may have, you know, known, um, who I've interned with, who I, you know, who just, um, you never know, you might find yourself working with that yeah. person, mm-hmm. which is great, you know. Um, but with that said, people will always remember how you make them feel. Great. So always treat people with respect and be kind because that also does come back around too. And, you know, there are people that unfortunately, like in any industry and workplace, you know, um, they, people here, you know, and someone knows someone through someone else. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that is like a huge theme to just Never burn your bridges and just mm-hmm. always be a kind person. At the yeah. end of the day, everyone's trying to do the best they can, and sometimes people struggle in other areas. But you just gotta give everyone a little bit of a little bit of grace. Yeah. <laughs> give yourself some grace too. Yeah. It's not an easy industry to work in, you know. But if you love it, like you can tell, you know, yeah, you, know, you want to stay in it.
0: It feels like you love it, so. That's very. I do. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I love helping people. So this kind of like helps satisfy that need to reach Mm. people and help people. That's always been like something I've loved to do. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have to see what happens in season four. We have a lot of questions. Like yeah, uh, what happens with the network who get where, where, what happens with Bradley? Like is Corey, you know, still attached to the network. It's, there's so many places to go. We met his mom this season. Oh my god! Really manipulative. What you, yeah. What do you think of his mom, Portia? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I don't Spot know. On. Like borderline. I mean, manipulative and and cruel. And maybe <laughs> narcissistic. Um, I feel like it's exactly who would have like. I, don't yeah.
1: know. <laughs> I feel like it's exactly who I would have thought his mom would be. Like, you could just sense, like, he brought yeah. Bradley there as, like, a buffer, which I think often, like, people with personality disorders, especially narcissism, do better with the crowd because they want to, like, put on a good show, right? Whereas when you're one-on-one with them, that's often when you get their cruel side and, like, the real them, you know, like, children of people with personality disorders like this will often talk about, like, no one knows, like, the real them. There's, like, the persona everyone else sees is charismatic gregarious bubbly kind person and then there's the real one. um so i felt like him even just bringing bradley to me was like diagnostic and then she was so cruel with what she said and it was this interesting dance of like codependency like needs him to fill this void and he's constantly trying to fill it for her but then she rejects him right When he feels it, or especially if he has his own need that doesn't align with hers and doesn't keep her in the center of his world. And like, then she's mad at him for staying away. And it's like, of course he's staying away. Like, look what he gets when he comes around. You know, I was just like, I'm so glad we met her. Yeah. And she was spot on who I thought
0: she'd be. Definitely cluster Um, B vibes, like yes, just very um, you know the mix of both. I think we didn't get her enough. I I want more from her, and I think though for we talked about last um season, like you know sometimes he appeared manic, but then I was like, or is that just the industry? Like he's just like yeah,
1: I think you you have to be like you gotta be like (laughs) ready, yeah, Yeah, you You gotta be ready for anything. You gotta like jazz yourself up. Um, and like that scene with him and Bradley driving home in the car where she's trying to like empathize with him and he's shutting her out because he just can't go there. I think it's so painful, especially when it's your mother of all people, like you still love them. Um, and she's trying to say to him like, Corey, I care about you, you know? And he's like, no, Bradley, we, we like mutually use each other. And I was like, oh, there it is. There's his impaired object relations. Like he can't, he's struggling too, you know? Um, and just real quick, before we wrap up, we gotta talk about the Bradley and Hal and Laura Peterson of it all,
0: yeah, yeah, so she right, protects Hal. She's at the January sixth um riots. she's filming, she has like pepper sprayed her eye, um hiding her identity so she gets all this great footage, and then she sees her brother there assaulting a police officer, like I was like, of course hal, and and <laughs> yeah, right, Hal is someone who we would consider like um kind of diagnostically to be like vulnerable to um uh, yes. Ideas, beliefs, um cults. Like, you know, he's he's in recovery. He's kind of searching for an identity, a purpose, for connections, connection. connection, for love, yeah. for mm-hmm. community. So like uh and
1: just like they portrayed him all along coming from the deep south, you know, like um I just was not surprised he was there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So she and, deletes but- the footage, right? And like that the FBI investigates and blah, blah, blah. And Corey protects her. And then, you know, Paul threatens her. And it's just like, Laura finds out, right? Because she thinks that um, Bradley's cheating actually on her with Corey, not anything like the FBI. Right, right.
1: But then she finds out and so quickly like washes her hands of Bradley. And I was like, ah, like, I get it especially with like what we were talking about with how important journalistic integrity is and with something like that but i also get that it was her brother and it's like i just feel like bradley's always in like this impossible situation like that's the role she's played in her family it seems like the whole time right like they hearken back to when she told authorities about her dad like you know killing the child and the drunk driving and i just feel like she's always in this impossible position and I just want to see her in therapy in season four I was so sad we didn't see her go to therapy
0: and I think and Laura tried to timing. get her to go right Laura did. <laughs> she tried yeah.
1: I know and that was like such a beautiful conversation about like how to encourage someone you love
0: to go to th- I was so hopeful
1: and then it was clear she didn't go yeah
0: she's not ready yet but maybe now yeah maybe Maybe i would love love to see it because she's walked right the left she's walking into the fbi um with alex as a support not laura and with hal and then right the the season ends and we'll see i know we know it's coming back for season four i'm really excited i do love this show uh and we'll see where they go yeah well, thank you again, Nicole, for joining us today. Um, do you want to just share where
2: people can maybe find you, um, your podcast and stuff like that? Sure. I'm on social media at Nicole Nalepa TV, Uh, I also have my podcast, Mommy Hit Unscripted. You can find it on Apple and Spotify and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And I'm always looking to hear from moms to see what kind of issues and uh, topics that they want covered. Because let's face it, we still have a lot we're t- discovering, I think, is moms in this era. So we're going to keep the conversation going on that too. Definitely.
1: Well, thank you so much. This was such a joy and a treat. Um, And you can find us at Analyze Scripts Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, And we'll catch you
0: next time with a brand new episode. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye. Thank you.
1: This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see
2: you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with quins.
1: This podcast and its contents are a copyright of analyzed scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.